I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to episode 122 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. Philip, I know we talked about it uh, last week, I believe, that these last few weeks getting leading up to the football season is uh, takes forever, but we are getting that much closer to game one. Man, JP, this really is the time where... Like, I'm just ready for the season to start. Yep. I- and that's the, this is the worst part because we spend the next few weeks just so ready for it to get here, and then it's bowl season. Yeah. Like it takes forever to get here, and then it's over. I mean, that's everything in life. Like anticipation makes things drag on, and then once you're in it, no matter how much you try and just like stop and appreciate it, it's never it's never long enough. Yeah, I mentioned this in the last episode. Like last season felt like one of the fastest football seasons just because we were talking about it twice a week for the entire year and it just went by in an instant. I can't imagine that this season will be any different. Uh, but we, we've been, you know, speculating and just trying to find any sort of content to talk about football over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, it just, it, it's been dragging. It really has, but I've, I've gotten even more excited. I listened to, I'll plug it right now, but the tape doesn't lie guys, Mitch Gift and Adam Lunt. They did their podcast. They talked about the offense uh, after a pretty cool opportunity that they had. I won't spoil too much. Go listen to their stuff. But uh, listening to what they had to say about the football team got me amped up. I was listening to it on my drive to Tulsa last night, uh, Wednesday night, and I am I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready to watch some football. It's it's been way way too damn long. Yeah, we should have Adam on our show pretty soon. We can talk about some of that stuff. Um... There's there's some there's some things I'm very excited to talk with him about that that he witnessed um, that align with some things that I would I've been curious about so that'll be um, we should have him on next week if not the week after uh, and that'll be really good uh, very excited today Kelly Hines from the Tulsa World who has been covering Tulsa for quite some time used to cover Oklahoma State and is now on the beat for OU, OSU, and TU all at the same time uh, is going to join the show. We're going to talk a bit about TU, who's Oklahoma State's uh, week three opponent. We're going to talk a little OSU and what she's been able to see. Uh, I just really like having Kelly on. Kelly's awesome. She's really nice. She does a really good job at Tulsa World, and right now she's stretched incredibly thin. I don't know how she's doing it. 
Yeah, so. I, I have enough time. We, we take up enough time just covering Oklahoma State. I can't imagine trying to cover three teams, keep all the names together, and try and – that that's crazy. Good for her. Um, we really appreciated her time. We know how busy it is right around uh, training camp like it has been for the last – week or so but we really did appreciate her time it was a fantastic interview she gave really thorough answers and was really really informative on what we can expect from Tulsa and Oklahoma State in the coming weeks you know I will say this and we'll talk about we'll we'll talk with this with Lunt um, and I've listened to some other you know the Cowboy Chronicles podcast and and I've read some different stuff and you know coming away from Big 12 media days everyone was was incredibly concerned about the fact that they hadn't named a quarterback yet. And they're like, oh, Gundy's screwed it up again. Blah, 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 blah. And I have come away from everything I've learned, heard and read with kind of what I thought, which was you've got two guys who are both really good, who neither one has especially separated himself yet. And I don't think it's an issue of two guys equals zero i think it's two good guys both of which could win you a good number of games next season and i'm trying if it was just gundy like i think we're all kind of like all right coach speak but when you have enough different people saying that it makes me really intrigued for like it makes me even more excited for game one like game one's exciting because it's game one um it's the first game of the season Uh, it's a little bit intriguing because you're on the road at oregon state which is such a unique opponent to play especially on the road now you have the the question of will they name a quarterback before game one or are we going to basically see a quarterback battle in Corvallis to decide who the guy is moving forward? And so if I wasn't already excited for game one, let's just keep cranking that up past 10 to where I, my ears are bleeding. Yes. If I were to look into a crystal ball and go and look at game one on August 30th, I would imagine we I, – I don't foresee Gundy naming a quarterback before game one. I think we're going to see a lot of coach speak leading up to it. We're going to see it in the pregame press conferences uh, leading up to the game in Corvallis. But I think we see Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders play, not because Gundy doesn't know, but I think because both guys could win you games and both guys are equally talented. It's just seeing what happens on the field because practice shows you which guy can play at game speed, but when you get into – a game against a different opponent, things can change. So I I would imagine we see both, but I'm still, and I think I've talked about this on last week's episode too, I am leaning toward being okay and being fine with Drew Brown being the quarterback. And the more that I read and the more that I listen to and the more, I'm, the more that I'm convinced he is the guy and I'm perfectly fine with that and I think he's going to win us the ball games. So I've talked about it on my show, the 10-12. Um, I've gone on a couple of podcasts and talked about it, and I am I'm about 99.9% convinced that the first snap of the game will go to Drew Brown. Yep. I think he I think he's going to start. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not sure I've ever really had a problem with it. Um, I think the concern of well, you have to start the young guy. He's going to play. Like, I don't think there's any concern about whether or not he's going to play. And I still think he's going to probably, I still think Spencer Sanders probably ends the year as a starter. I agree with that. Barring well. injury. But I do think Drew Brown will take, I think they'll both play against Oregon State, but I do think Drew Brown takes the first snap. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with seeing a quarterback battle. Um, the, the only time I'm really going to be concerned with a quarterback battle is if we haven't. Landed on one before Texas. 
I'm fine with it against Oregon State. I'm fine with it against McNeese State. By by Tulsa, by game three, I need a starter. I need a, this is the guy moving forward starter. We cannot have going into the last warm-up before Big 12 play starts, still trying to figure it out. I want to have somebody, because at that point, you want somebody getting the the all of the first string reps. I want somebody locked in for Tulsa, because I want whoever that guy is to play a full game and not be splitting reps with somebody. I want so, I want this figured out by game three, because I don't want it. Look, OSU, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I promise you, OSU has not been great in Big 12 openers for a while. They tend to lose them. I would rather not go into that situation even in a, in a worse po- uh, situation by having two quarterbacks still trying to figure it out on the road in Austin and Texas. So I was just thinking about this as you were talking. I completely agree with you. I think at some point we do need, if they decide to switch to Spencer Sanders, it needs to be, I bet it'll be halfway through the season, if not before that. But I think the season starts with Drew Brown. Now, Oklahoma State's running game is significantly better than it was in Mason Rudolph's sophomore season, like infinitely better. That's because they have a run game. You can only go up from how awful it was in 2015, but that's not my point here. (laughs) That's not my point here. My point here that I'm trying to make is, do you think we still see something of the two-quarterback system that we saw in 2015 where... Spencer Sanders gets into the red zone and then Drew Brown comes in and finishes it because he can get into he can get in the end zone in multiple different ways. I wouldn't hate it, but I don't know if it would work because they really had to make a running game out of nothing, and that's what JW Walsh provided. Um, I think I don't think it's really going to be a two-quarterback system. So when you say two-quarterback system, to me, it means you're trying to use both guys intentionally. Um, Like Kansas State last year was what you call a bad two-quarterback system. 2015 was an effective two-quarterback system. Do I think both guys are going to get used in the red zone? I don't think it's going to be a situation where Rudolph got pulled, J.W. Walsh got in, and that's what was going to happen. I do think... Gleason will get crafty and you'll see both guys because both guys are going to be talented and effective at different things um, when they get down in the red zone because they've had issues offensively down in that area for the past few years. But I I don't think they're going to want to run a two quarterback system. I think they Gundy wants to have a guy named like the, the idea of, well, he's Gundy doesn't want to do Gundy wants to get a guy in there because he understands the importance and value of that guy getting as many reps with the first team as possible. He talked about it last year with Cornelius. Like it, it was, he takes 15 games to really get it. Yeah. Well, something it, like that. Yeah. It, for every game you're splitting with the other guy. I don't think that counts as a game. Makes sense. So, you, he doesn't want to do this for six. Now, we could have a similar situation in 2013 where Drew Brown starts, uh, where somebody gets the job by game three and has it for a few games, and if he's just underperforming or not doing what they need him to do, they'll swap. That's what happened in 2013. Remember, you had Shelf started the season. Uh, Walsh took over like in the second quarter against Mississippi State. He held the job until I think it was at TCU or Kansas State because Walsh was not playing well. He was he was not. They weren't, and the offense didn't look good. And they went back to Chelf, and the offense played. I mean, turned into being really good again through the rest of the season, and Chelf kept the job. I 
that's the only way I, I really see them once they pick a guy going back to another one. I do think we have a similar situation here to 2013 in that you had two guys, one guy won the job, but you never really felt secure until the one guy in the season took the job. So, I mean, that's the other question is, is that the kind of situation we're going to run into here? If two guys are, are, are doing well, maybe they name a starter before game one, but does he keep the job? Yeah, I, it's definitely going to be interesting to see when, because when you get into the games, then, you know, all bets are off because practice practice tells you enough, but the game is a completely different environment. So we'll we'll see. But I right now I'm fine with going the, with the more experienced college player as opposed to maybe the more talented guy in the long run in Spencer Sanders. So we we have a lot to, to talk about, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this ad nauseum as if we haven't enough already uh, over the next couple of weeks. But before we do that, uh, even before we kind of go into the weeds even further on this, let's get into our interview with Kelly Hines. Before we do that, we'll have a word from a sponsor. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Philip and I are joined by Kelly Hines. She is a sports writer for the Tulsa World covering OU, OSU, and Tulsa. So she's definitely got her hands full. We appreciate her time. Kelly, thank you for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. I can't imagine how busy you are right now with all three teams in fall camp. I imagine you're traveling around the state quite a bit. Yes, I am. I've been uh, different places. I've been at um, OU, OSU, TU um, each of the last... uh, I don't know what day it is, but the last two days. So um, really since since fall camp started, I've been a different place every day. So uh, it's, you know, it's hectic, but um, it's a great time of year to be uh, busy. So um, fall camp is always a fun time. Let me just ask, how, how do you compartmentalize to try and keep everything, everybody? Um, it's a really good question. I don't know that I've mastered that yet. Uh, my bag that I carry is heavy because I have um, OU, OSU, and TU media guides with me at all times. I'm just trying to, at this point, uh, learn the personnel, especially for OU because I've never covered OU. I, you know, obviously I'm familiar with Tulsa after covering uh, them for the last five years. Um, OSU, I, I helped, um, you know, in the spring, during spring football, kind of know what's going on there. Certainly know, like, where to park and where to, you know, all of that, uh, at OU, I was like, you know, a kid going to like kindergarten, like, where do I go? Um, so, you know, getting acclimated, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, just being in the right place at the right time is step number one. That's good. That's good to know. Uh, I I can't imagine, like I have a hard enough time just being like tracking one team. Yeah, Forget three teams, their players, stats, sketch, like, no, I, I, no. No. So let's That's start why they with pay me the big bucks, though. So. Oh, oh, yeah. I hear. I hear that. The, yeah. uh, That's the local sports that journalism is is where the money's at. Kids, remember uh-huh. that. Yeah. Uh, 
if that's the case, then stuff. I need to get in on it. I need a job. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the wrong field. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> so let's let's start with this. Uh, you are my go-to Tulsa expert for anything. Um, and Oklahoma State does have Tulsa on the schedule this season. They'll, they'll travel to Tulsa in week three. I mean, first, let me just say, I never really consider that like a road game. Like, I know it's <laughs> right. it's Tulsa, but it's not that far. And to be fair, there'll be as many OSU fans in the crowd as there are Tulsa fans, including right. some actual, like, Tulsa students. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But, you know, they've, they've played each other quite a few times. They've got a few matchups coming up on the schedule. <laughs> what... What do you think – what is that game like? Like, what is the vibe at OSU-Tulsa games in Tulsa? Like, in Stillwater, it's predominantly OSU. But right. at Tulsa, with the size of the stadium and the fan base, what it is, it's not a knock on Tulsa fans. There's some re- really diehard Tulsa fans. It's just not – I mean, a lot of Tulsa fans are OU fans over Tulsa or OSU fans over Tulsa. So what is the vibe of that game going to be like? This year? You know, that's a good question. The only um, OSU at Tulsa game I've been to was the infamous um, post-midnight start. And that was super memorable, but not really a true glimpse at uh, what that whole experience is like. Because, um, you know, people were able to walk in who didn't have tickets. And it was, you know, obviously a, a pretty uh, unique situation. So I do think it's, it's you know, probably not too much different from you know, I've, I've covered, um, OU at Tulsa before, you know, it's kind of, uh, like that in that, you know, there are going to be a lot of people there who are, you know, unlike normal, uh, TU home games, which, you know, UConn fans, which, you know, UConn won't be in the league much longer, but you know, UConn wasn't sending a lot of fans to 11th and Hartford, you know? So, uh, there are a lot of games, home games for Tulsa that there aren't many visitor fans. So it's obviously very different. Um, and it, you know, because it H.A. Chapman Stadium is only 30,000 seats and because tickets are very affordable, you know, it can fill up real fast with with OSU or OU fans. So it's uh, it almost feels like a neutral site game um, just because the, the crowd is very split. And, you know, when when the, the programs are in different places, Tulsa's trying to get back to a good level. Um, what Mike Gundy has done at OSU is pretty remarkable to have, you know, uh, sustained a program for so long um you know that's that's a, a challenge for Tulsa to try to get to that point and they they've not been able to do that so you know that I think there's there's uh you know just a difference in where the programs are and certainly along with that comes you know the fan base it's harder for Tulsa to get fans to come to games when they're you know not winning uh, I think they have a challenge anyway I think attendance is an issue at a lot of places it certainly is an issue at, at Tulsa so I would expect for sure to see a lot of OSU fans at that game. Um, I don't know if there'll be more OSU fans in Tulsa. I think you'll see for that game more people who are casual Tulsa fans be like, oh, I'd like to go to that. And it's generally pretty affordable and, and easy to get tickets. So just quick walk down every lane. You mentioned that 2011 game. Uh, funny story. So I remember that day very, very well. Um, I had just gotten out of the Fleet Foxes concert at Kane's Ballroom and was, um, to, to put it gracefully, uh, hammered. Okay. Uh, and so when I found out that they were just letting people in, I was crashed on a couch. And this is before the days of Uber for all of all of you young people listening. We're like, why would you call him? <laughs> um, 
and I certainly wasn't going to be driving anywhere, and my friend was passed out. So I, I would have gone to that game, um, but you can't really, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't drive, and I think I fell asleep at halftime because it was, you know, alcohol yeah. makes you sleepy. That's all I'm going to say. It just, <laughs> it does. Yeah, I mean that happens. I remember um, that was the last year that I wasn't covering um, college. Well, I actually wound up helping on on the OSU beat that season because of the way it turned out. But I wasn't covering that game because um, I was a high school writer at the time. And I remember, like, I bought a ticket because I wanted to see that game, and I didn't have a press pass. But uh, Katy Perry was in town that night, and I very vividly, like, remember, like, trying to decide which I wanted to go to. And I was like, oh, you know, I might as well – I'd rather go to the football game. So I went to the football game, uh, and I could have made it to both. But probably wouldn't have been a good financial choice to, to do both. But, uh, you know, that's the way it turned out. There was a night with OSU Tulsa football, Fleet Foxes, and Katy Perry all in the same night. How did somebody choose? Oh, yeah. That is just – man, don't – What a night. What a night there in good old Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that was – I think was it the barbecue festival was out at the BOK too? I, I don't know why that day sticks out of my going memory. On. It just, it just yeah. does. Don't um, – <laughs> weird things are retained. Um Okay, so let's look at let's look football specifically. Um, for the last couple of years, Tulsa hasn't been what I would consider um, good. Um, <laughs> defensively, they were they were pretty solid last year. Um, they've they've had good O line play, they've had good uh, run play, but they've had real issues. As as you put it before we came on air, that they're not great at passing the ball and they're not great at catching the ball, which are usually two things you kind of want to do to have a passing attack, which is. Important. Yeah, which is weird for Tulsa because when I think of Tulsa, I think of you know like um, the Cragthorpe era and um, the guy that came after him and went to Pitt and then Arizona State. Blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah. Thank you. And generally speaking, they they were good offensively. They they had good quarterback play, and it just it doesn't seem like they've they've had that for a while. What is the quarterback situation for TU heading into this season? You know, I think that regardless of who becomes the starting quarterback, like they're in a much better situation. Um, you know, Seth Boomer's from Collinsville. You know, he's Grayson Boomer's brother. Um, he, uh, you know, started um, the second half of last season. Really improved as the season went on. You know, he's he was a redshirt freshman. They've they've had to play. Um, I think they've had. Uh, you know, all the quarterbacks they played in the last two seasons were uh, freshmen or, or um, redshirt freshmen. So. Um, or maybe sophomores. I don't know if that's true. It sounds like something that's true, though. Um, they were young guys, inexperienced guys. So, you know, last year, uh, you know, it was Luke Skipper and Seth Boomer and then really became Boomer as, as the season went on. Um, and he, he got better as the season went on. But, but, you know, he went into some, you know, not ideal situations. The team was really struggling. He was still trying to figure things out. And um, I do think that he has a ton of potential. But then, you know, there's also Zach Smith, who's the transfer from Baylor, who is probably best known for uh, lighting it up against um, OU, which we can all say, you know, the obvious things about OU's defense the last two years. But um, that was a real breakout game for him. But then, you know, it, it didn't really go uh, the way he wanted from there. Um, so he transferred uh, to Tulsa, sat out last season. And, um, you know, I would probably guess that he's going to be the starting quarterback Um you know, he has a long history with, with Philip Montgomery. Philip actually discovered him at a Baylor camp, you know, a long time ago. So, you know, there's a relationship there. Um, and, uh, you know, both of those guys uh, look to be better options than what they've had the last two years. 
So, um, you know, it'll be one of them. Uh, I don't think it'll be, you know, there's not really much talk like, like Mike Gundy said of using two quarterbacks. Um, I don't think that'll be the case. I do think it will be one of them unless, you know, somebody gets hurt or there's an issue there, but I would probably think it's, it's going to be Zach Smith. I do think he has, um, better arm. Seth is probably a little bit more elusive, but, um, you know, they're not going to have the offensive line protection, um, that I think has been there in the past. So I think it's, it's going to be really important to have, have a guy who can make quick decisions, get the ball down the field. And I, I have to think that, um, you know, based on what I've seen, Zach Smith may have the edge in that regard, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't see. So it's hard to say for certain, but um, you know, I, I think both of those guys are a really good option. And I think based on the way Seth ended last season and just knowing that, you know, Zach was on the scout team last year, got a lot of really good experience in this system. You know, I think that they're going to be better there. They would have to be better. So looking at what uh, Tulsa is able to do on the defensive side of the ball, what do you think they're going to be able to do, do well to possibly slow the Oklahoma state offense down? You know, I think that, uh, you know, this is one of the better defenses I've ever covered, you know, regardless of, you know, at OSU, you know, really just, um, you know, seeing what this, this defense accomplished last season. And it was just simply because they said, okay, this is what our personnel is. We have a lot of speed on, on, on the back end. Um, but we've been giving up a lot of big plays. Like, how are we gonna, you know, um, what are we going to do on de- on defense to, to kind of fit our personnel? So they went to, you know, a three, three, five, um, alignment and that worked really well. I mean, I don't think anybody saw it working as well as it did. Obviously they, they still gave up a lot of yards against the run and they're trying to figure that out. But, you know, to rank ninth nationally against the pass, like that's crazy considering, you know, uh, where they had been. I mean, the difference in, in yards, total yards given up per game, I don't have it in front of me, but it's more than a hundred, you know, from, from 2017 to 2018, that was incredible. So, um, you know, Bill Young is retired. Um, Joseph Gillespie, the linebackers coach has, has taken over as defensive coordinator. And he was the one who kind of, led uh you know the change um to uh the three three five so you know i think that uh you know they have um gosh they've lost only like two or three starters on defense they have almost everybody back and they they have a lot of uh up-and-comers who you know just really look the part have done well in practice i just think that they're they're solid at just about every position um certainly linebacker um their linebacker core is uh pretty stout i mean they have uh Cooper Edmondson in the middle who um, has, has played, uh, you know, he was a backup as a true freshman. I mean, he's played a ton. Um, and, uh, you know, I could go on all day about Zayvon Collins. I will spare you guys um, from that. But that guy, if he's not um, playing in the NFL in a few years, I will be absolutely shocked. Um He's, uh, you know, a guy who's 6'5", 256. I mean, he, he's a sophomore who is just a freak. So, you know, a kid from Hominy who played quarterback and nobody really knew, knew what to do with him, and they, they get him at TU somehow. Uh, I think he could have gone just about anywhere. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the type of guy that TU needed. Um, he could play just about every spot, but to have him at linebacker, that kid is legit. So, I mean, I could go down the line. Their their defensive line, their defensive front is not great. And so, you know, that's part of the reason. Well, Travis Gibson on the edge is pretty good. But um, inside, uh, 
on the interior of the defensive line. They they have some solid players, but that's certainly not what their strength is. So they're trying to balance, you know, what they're doing on defense with, uh, you know, they have a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism in the secondary. So having five DBs, um, you know, is, is able that helps them to prevent some of those big plays that have just absolutely killed them uh, pretty much my whole time on the beat. But, um, you know, I think that uh, they have the ability to stop teams. It just, you know, how it comes together. I'm not really sure what it's going to look like. So if you had to pick one matchup to watch, since you've been at Oklahoma State camp as well and you've seen their offense a little bit, what is, do you think is the one matchup to keep an eye on between the Oklahoma State offense and the Tulsa defense? You know, I think it's it's going to be, um, you know, I just knowing, uh, you know, OSU has, has pretty good depth at, at running back. You know, they've got some weapons um, with Hubbard. And, I, you know, when I was in Stillwater the other day, I heard someone say that L.D. Brown was going to be like, you know, uh, breakout star. This was going to be his season. You know, I think that um, for Tulsa, stopping the run game is going to be so important um, this season. So I would probably say, you know, that that's going to be uh, a pretty key matchup, but, you know, I, I think that it could really be anything. I think that, you know, it's, we're still, none of us really know what, what the passing game is going to look like, um, you know, with, with a different quarterback, with a new offensive coordinator, um, you know, for OSU. But I, I think that we kind of know what the run game is going to look like. They, they have some, some good players and those are, those are guys who, who are fast and, um, can run hard and, you know, uh, Tulsa, you know, that's, that's not the level of competition that they're used to in the American, you know, I, I think that that's a step above what, what they typically see week to week in the league. So, you know, that, that's always going to be a challenge. So as we mentioned, Tulsa's had good offenses play the last few years. Is that something they continue, expect to continue this year or have they lost too many guys or what's the situation there? On the offensive line, um, yeah, they've they lost three guys who had a combined like 100 starts. So, you know that hurts. Um, so those are two of those guys actually are are in NFL training camps. Which you know, if, if you guys are aware of uh, you know TU football, there there are not many guys who who make it to that point. Um, it's really difficult to to even get to that level. So um, Chan- Chandler Miller from Bixby was a starting center for four years. He's graduated. Um, uh, Willie Wright, right tackle, graduated. Tyler Bowling, left guard, he's graduated. So they they have some guys who are you know waiting to move into those roles. But anytime you have a a new center, you know, and and you know possibly a, a new quarterback, you know that's that's always going to be an issue. Um, you know how that chemistry works out. But you know I would say that uh, you know Mike Blush, the offensive line coach um, at TU, like I. I would have I would have a lot of faith in him to get that figured out. I do think that they've recruited really well. You know, they they pretty much always redshirt. I haven't known of a true freshman to come in and play on the offensive line. So they pretty much always have guys who are, you know, ready to move into those roles. Um, I don't know that any of them are, you know, six uh, six and three hundred twenty five pounds like Tyler Bowling was. Um, so you know. I think it will be more of an adjustment. I think especially early in the season, you know, I don't have super high expectations um, for what that's going to look like. Um, but, you know, these are guys who have been in the system. I mean, they're not transfer offensive linemen. Like, they're, they've are they been around. So um, they have some really good options. Um, I'm personally curious to see how it's going to play out. But I, I would be surprised if, if it's, 
if it is what it's been the last couple of years. But I also think that's, um, you know, there are several reasons I expect them to throw the ball more. Part of that is having, you know, probably expecting better passing, um, probably catching, you know, expecting more uh, consistent catching. Um, but also, I don't think that they can rely on the run game like they've done in the past because they don't have that really dominant, overwhelming offensive front like they've, they've had. So just as someone who's followed Tulsa, I'm, I'm from Tulsa, I'm from Oklahoma, it's just kind of fun. You know, I, I really thought Philip Montgomery was going to be a great fit there at Tulsa. Um, and it started off pretty well. I went 6-7 and seven in year one, 10 and 3 in year two. Uh, but since then, he's 5-19. and 19. Things haven't gone well. As we talked about, the quarterback play has been a problem. Is this a is this kind of a hot seat year for him? Um, or how should Tulsa be looking at this season like they've got to get a number of wins so they're going to be on a, a coaching search again? I think it, it could be a, a you know a, a hot seat situation. You know they, I would say almost definitely have to win more than three games. You know I don't think that you can have three consecutive seasons of of you know that few wins. Um, this is a really challenging schedule though. I mean, obviously at Michigan State the opener that's not going to be easy. Um, playing Oklahoma State doesn't matter where that is. That's a hard one. Um, you know they. <laughs> The, the American is what it is, but those those are not tough. Those are not easy games for Tulsa. Um, you know, they're they do get Navy, Memphis, UCF, and Houston um, in Tulsa. But like I said, it's kind of like with OSU. Like it doesn't matter where those games are. Those are really difficult opponents. So um, they're they're more feasible wins are on the road at SMU, um, at Tulane, at East Carolina. They're also at Cincinnati. Um, they do play at San Jose State. Um, that's a game they need to win. They're home against Wyoming, a game they need to win. But, you know, it's just hard to look at that schedule and be like, oh, that's a for sure win. That's a for sure. I mean, there just are not going to be many of those. So, um, you know, I think that they really need to get at least five wins for him to be really comfortable. Um, but they they don't um, by any means have the um, uh, APR to, to be a, you know, a five win bowl team, you know, they don't have that, uh, going for them. So to not make it to a bowl, you know, for several years in a row, it's kind of like, okay, but like, where's this going? So, um, I think it is a really, I guess you could say that about every year, but you know, given the way the last two years have gone, um, I do think that this is a really important season to kind of see, okay, well, you know, they've had, uh, not good quarterback play the last two years. And Phil Montgomery is a quarterback um, guru, you know, as people say, like at, at some point that has to change. So I do think that part will change. Um, but, you know, and I do think that usually translates to, to more wins, but um, if things uh, go wrong, um, I think that they might have a tough decision to make. So from your time being able to watch uh, Oklahoma State in camp this year compared to other years possibly, Mike Gundy talked about in the uh, at Big 12 Media Days with the team, he needed to take a step back and the team needed to be more disciplined this season, and that started with him. Is that a, something you were able to see uh, from your time at Oklahoma State camp this year? Is it a little bit different than possibly years past? You know, I wasn't around, you know, during this time last year, but just okay. based on, like, you know, the things that I, you know, heard about read about you know the things I saw in games like it does seem like that like maybe the attention is more on small things on details like stuff that you know maybe last year they just let slide you know obviously they're 
they're wearing those shirts uh, about discipline. And I, you know, I think that that's, a, you know, it's, it's a very small thing, but I think just like having a very visible reminder, like, you know, we can't uh, mess around, like, you know, maybe they did in the past. And, and I think that, um, you know, that, that, that's something that, that coach Gundy has, I feel like approached in the right way to say, you know, that's on me. I, I let things uh, slide. Um, we're not doing that this year. So how that's really going to translate, I mean, who knows, but I do think that, you know, that was an issue uh, last year um, and that affected the season for sure. So, you know, to it, at least like go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, what are we going to do differently um, and I don't really know what all of those things are because, you know, I don't have anything to compare to, but it does seem like, you know, they're more uh, focused on, on the details and, and, you know, that certainly seems to be a good thing. You've been to camp a couple of times. So I, I'm, I'm curious from what you've seen, you know, we know the names of, we know the quarterback's names. We know Drew Brown, we know Spencer Sanders, we know Tylan Wallace, we know Chuba Hubbard, we know AJ Green. Who are two or three guys that OSU fans maybe aren't as familiar with or aren't talking about that you think are making an impact in fall camp so far? You know, I I mentioned LD Brown already, but like I think that, you know, that's a guy who really will have an impact. I I don't really, you know, know why he hasn't had that impact yet. I know that he has like, you know, his his uh, yards per carry is like over six. I mean, that's that's pretty darn good. Um, he's he's you know super fast guy. I think that, you know, he's somebody who who will have a bigger role and can do some damage. So I mean, I just you know hearing uh, mention of him, you know, multiple times, like that's somebody who, uh, you know, that's kind of stuck out to me. Um, you know, I. I don't know who people have talked about and who they haven't talked about. So uh, it's kind of hard for me to say beyond that, but um, I don't know. That's, that's a tough question on, on defense, you know, uh, gosh. Um, Israel Antoine, I think like, you know, that's a guy who's mentioned quite a bit, you know, um, and his story is pretty interesting. And that's someone who I will find myself rooting for, like just in general uh, because of, you know, being uh, in college and playing college football when, when you also have autism, like that's pretty amazing. So, um, you know, I think that he's a guy who brings a lot to the table for OSU. So uh, like I'm personally, you know, eager to see how he does. Um, I don't really know beyond that. Uh, it's hard for me to separate guys who've done stuff in the past versus like ones who, who are maybe moving into different roles. Cause I just haven't seen them. All right, so let's let's wrap with this because this is the question everybody wants to know. Um, having watched both quarterbacks play, what do you think? Here's the real question: You know, is Gunny's talked about this as a battle? We keep hearing it's a battle, it's a battle. I think most people's perception is, oh no, or that Gundy's just saying that because he doesn't he doesn't know who to pick. Do you, having watched them, do you believe this is a legit battle where they're both just? it's a situation where two really good guys are battling or is this a two quarterbacks, no quarterbacks? No, I do. I really do. And I know that coaches are put in a tough spot sometimes because what are they going to say if, if it truly were that way? Like, yeah, we're just hoping one of these guys pans out, you know, and that hasn't happened yet. I really do think that they both have, um, you know, the skill set that like this, that will really work with this team. Like, I really do believe that. 
And after, you know, being around a little bit, like, cause I, you know, I'm used to coaches saying, oh yeah, like this is a quarterback competition when you know that somebody's already got a leg up, you know, and they're, it's just good for morale and competition and all that. But I really do think that this is like a legitimate quarterback competition. And, you know, I kind of had it in my head that it was going to be Spencer Sanders. And I think just because, you know, I saw him play in high school and, um, you know, he, he was like an amazing recruit and all of, you know, you just think that that's a guy who's going to come in and, you know, have, have a really good, like possibly four year career as, as a starting quarterback. And that, that really, uh, can get a program, you know, on a good level when you have the same quarterback for four years. And I just kind of thought that that was what would happen. But I, if you ask me like straight up, like who I thought it'd be, I think I, if it's not both of them. I think it would be Drew Brown. And I don't really know why I feel that way. It's just like after, uh, you know, being around a little bit, like I was just really impressed with him, um, like on and off the field. I, I don't know. I just think there's something to that. And, you know, a, a grad transfer who, you know, he did not have it easy, like any step of the way. And I think like guys really respect that he, you know, he had to go, he, he didn't have any offers really, you know, he just like, uh, was this kid from California and, you know, went to junior college and then went to Hawaii and then, you know, really wanted to pursue other things, did a ton of research about where he should go and, you know, wound up in Stillwater and has just completely adapted in every possible way. And like, I think, you know, both those guys have earned it, but I don't know how you can say that, you know, if they're really like at that same level that this guy doesn't deserve a chance to see, you know, what he can do on the field, even though he is, you know, a senior and I get the whole, you know, well, if if they're the same, why not play the guy who, um, you know, could be the guy for the, the following three years? I get that. But like this guy, um, I think that he can do some things. Um, I think that they both have the ability. Um, it is I think it's going to be a really tough decision. I don't really love the thought of using both of them. I think that's that's a really difficult scenario. If one guy throws an interception, does that mean you put the other one in? I mean, their confidence would be, you know, shaken. Uh, you know, they're but they're they seem to be both pretty mature guys. Um, we really enjoy talking to both of them um, at Media Day. Both super impressive, very well spoken. Um, you know, they they like they seem to like each other. So, um, you know, it's kind of an odd situation because they there's not one thing really that you can point to. Well, this guy does this and that guy does. You know, it's just. It's not like traditional um, quarterback battles that I've seen. So um, I'm really curious to see how it plays out because I I think that puts uh, Coach Gundy, the whole coaching staff, like on offense in a really tough spot because I, I don't know how you choose between these two guys. It'll definitely be an interesting uh, next few weeks as we've tried, hopefully, to have a clearer picture of what the quarterback situation is like. Uh, Kelly, thank you very much for joining us today. This was very informative. Uh, we're getting that much more excited for football season, and this is definitely not helping my uh, my anticipation and my excitement. But uh, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> oh, no problem, guys. Anytime. Hey, Kelly, for everybody who wants to follow the work you're doing uh, leading up to the season and during the season, where can they do so? You know, I feel like my stuff is somewhere on TulsaWorld.com. It's not always easy to find, but, you know, it's on there somewhere. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm on the Twitter uh, Kelly Hines TW. And if you want to see cat pictures, I'm also on Instagram. Yes, you do have a lot of cat pictures on Instagram. That's what I use it for. I mean, and some nice food pictures, but mostly cat pictures. That's fair. She 
By the way, it's not weird. Like she rescues cats. She doesn't. She's not just like to just have like random cat pictures. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but usually they're ones I've rescued. <laughs> All right, I was trying to help you out here, but no. thank you. I I can use some help, but I also try to be you know upfront with what what to expect. I may come across a, a cat sometimes when I'm out of town. I'll come across cats, and I'm like, what do I do here? Um, but usually it's cats that I know that I'm photographing. And that is a perfect note to end on. Yeah, yeah, pretty yes, much. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. No problem, guys. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you to Kelly Hines for joining us. Uh, talk to us about Tulsa football, Oklahoma State football. We, as I mentioned in the intro, she is extremely busy. So for her to take the time that she did to uh, you know, give us the in-depth answers that she did. It was, it was really fantastic. It was one of the better interviews we've had in a while. Yeah. No, I, I always appreciate talking to Kelly. She's smart. She knows what she's talking about. Uh, I think she has a really good insight on Tulsa. Like I, that's not a game that worries me at all. Like, I'm sorry. Um, they didn't worry me that much when they were really good. They haven't been good for a while. So, but maybe they find that quarterback. Maybe. I mean, Zach Smith was a pretty, he was pretty solid at Baylor. Obviously Charlie Brewer was just better. So if he ends up being the guy, at least we know that we got a guy with some decent arm talent. So it'll, it'll be interesting, but yeah, like I said, I don't think this game really worries me that much. So it's just a matter of winning that game and then getting into conference play three, you know, and we'll see how it goes from there. Yep. So before we get out of here real quick, we wanted to let you guys know uh, if you've seen the site over the weekend, uh, and earlier this week, we uh, have shirts now uh, that are on the Cowboys Drive Free Shop. Uh, they have a house shirt that says the House of Boom built. They have a traditional O, gray, black, orange. Like it's all really good stuff. You need a new shirt for football season. But we want to give a couple away uh, on the podcast. So what we need you guys to do is go on and leave a rating and a review on iTunes or tweet at us. Uh, at Cowboys Are Free, at Cowboys RFF, mentioning the podcast, let us know what you think. Funniest answers are the ones that are going to get picked. So we appreciate the serious, you know, uh, critiques and all that good stuff. That's great. We'd rather you be funny. Make fun of me all you want. Philip has feelings. Be be nice to him. But if you want to say something about me that may not be uh, all that nice, you can go right ahead. I don't care. Nah, I'm an asshole. I don't care. <laughs> That's fair. But no, I, I'm interested. But like I said, and it really helps us. Uh, helps us out if you really do have anything uh that you would like to have leave a serious review we will uh, do what we can because we always want to make this thing as uh, as good as we can but if you know for the sake of the of the contest and for if you want a free shirt you can be funny yeah we'll, re- we'll read some of our favorite ones here on the show um yes if, if this sounds weirdly familiar uh they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery so the tape doesn't lie to do something similar to this it was such a good idea. We're just going to straight up copy it from them. I don't care. Like, I'll be honest. Uh, so if you're funny, if you think you're funny, you can do it. If, if, if we think you're funny, we'll, we'll let you know. And if we don't think you're funny, well, 
Sorry. Keep practicing. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to keep hammering away at this. Please leave a review, tweet at us, uh, and just do anything you can to help support the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Uh, personally, at OKTXAR Poke. You can also follow my show, the 1012 Podcast. T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast on Twitter, or just search 1012 Podcast in iTunes or pretty much any other place you get your podcasts. And follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. We will be back next week. We're getting that much closer to football season, and I'm sure we will have more to talk about between now and then. And we will talk to you all soon.